Welcome to All Shores Wesleyan. I'm E.J. Wood. And I'm Thad Spring, and we are glad that you are with us here today. Today's service is brought to you by Buffalo Plaid. Buffalo Plaid. Whether it's a shirt, hat, coat, or PJs, you can look and feel like a lumberjack in Buffalo Plaid. You don't have to be from Buffalo to wear Buffalo Plaid. We are really excited to have all of you with us here today. We've got a great service planned, and if you are at one of our campuses or watching online, thank you for joining us. You know, during the week, the worship team has been in heavy preparation for today's service. I heard that there was a few complications earlier this week during rehearsal. Yes, Thad, as we understand, at the Spring Lake campus, at one point, the drummer got stuck in the cage and couldn't find his way out. Yeah, drummers always have to be aware of their surroundings. There was also some capo confusion at one point, and the guitarist even threw a flag, looking for a little bit more volume. It's all about the decibels, EJ. Right you are, Thad. However, the worship leader was able to get everyone on the same play and chord progression, and they are ready to go. And we hope you are ready to go. If you are a guest with us here today, we are so glad that you joined us. We would love to get to know you better. And the way we can do that is there is an online connection card that helps you connect with us and us with you. There is a QR code on the back seats of all the chairs at all of our campuses. Please take a moment and take out your phone, fill out that connection card and get to know us better. And again, if you're a guest, we have a gift for you following the service, so make sure you grab that on your way out. We also hope that our service is a gift to you. And in a few moments, we'll participate in worship, prayer, Pastor Pete's message, communion, and a special premiere viewing of our new series coming this February 26th. And don't forget about Chili after the service. You're right, Thad. Now we invite you to stand as we worship together. Well, good morning, All Shores. So glad to be here with you today for Super Bowl Sunday. And I just want to pray for us before we enter into worship this morning. God, we invite your Holy Spirit to do what you want to in this place. Lord, we come before you just with openness and invitation, Lord, wanting your Holy Spirit to move as you want to. God, we recognize we all bring our own individual things with us in this place today. Some of us are bringing in some struggle and some grief and some sorrow and some difficulty. But God, we choose right now to lay those things down, knowing, Lord, that you are a God who wants to meet with us, who loves us incredibly and longs to bring that love to us to transform us from the inside out. So with that being said, God, we look to you today, and our hearts just want to worship you. We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's worship together, church. Break through no mountain. 
Good. 
you've conquered it all. So God, I just ask right now that you would, um, that would, you would throw your canopy of grace over each one of us in our bodies, our minds. God, we need your confidence. The enemy constantly is telling us who we're not. And you've told us who we are as your kids. You've told us what you've done for us, God, and there's so much power and authority in your name, Jesus. So God, I just ask that you would throw your confidence over your kids right now. We're all going through stuff. Maybe we're not, maybe we're on a mountaintop, but we still need you. We still want you, you're our champion. So God, breathe that into our souls right now in Jesus' name. I pray that you'll reveal things to us that we need to let go of. I just hand to your mighty, righteous hands, and I ask that you fill us with your confidence, God, in Jesus' name. We're gonna sing that bridge again. When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Oh, Jesus has given me. champion the victory belongs to you Jesus church this is a time of service where we we just take a moment to really pray over our needs and we pray not only for ourselves but we pray for those around us we pray for our community we pray for our world and if you're here today and there's something that you're dealing with personally there's something you're asking God for in prayer or maybe You've had a really hard week. <laughs> Just be honest with God today. And I want to invite you to take a seat. And, and uh, there's going to be people who come around you and want to pray for you. 
And uh, if you're comfortable with it, feel free to walk up, put your hand on that individual who's sitting or stretch your arms towards them. And we just want to take some time in service today to pray. So God, right now we look to you, God, our champion, our rock, our redeemer, our fortress, God, and we call out to you right now. Jesus, knowing that you are living and active, God, that you are still at work today. And God, all around this room, and Lord, for those of us online, we, we know that we each carry our own individual needs, God, things that we are believing for, struggles, God, that we've endured. Maybe uh, what has seemed like unanswered prayers or things that we've been believing for for a long time that we are just not seeing, God, we are asking crying out to you today in faith, Lord, believing that you are a God, first of all, who loves us, but you are also a God who wants to work in our lives. And so right now, God, we invite your Holy Spirit to do that. Lord, we invite your love to shower over us. Lord, to remind us that we are your children. God, that you love us dearly. Lord, right now we also lift up, there, there have been losses this week. We just remember people from our own church family who have uh, experienced loss and are grieving. Lord, we lift up uh, Lisa Sieber and her family, Lord, for the loss of her dad. God, that you would comfort them in Jesus' name. And Lord, we also remember Jerry Lynn Spring and her family and the loss of her mom this weekend. What, what grief, what sadness, Lord, to lose a parent. But God, we know that you are right there in the midst of our pain. God, that you sit next to us and you want to comfort us. So we pray that comfort in the mighty name of Jesus. God, we not only look to our own needs, God, but we also look to the needs of the community around us. And, and this morning, Lord, we lift up First Baptist of Spring Lake. God, you are doing a work in that church, Lord, both in their body, but also, God, through their ministry into our community. And Lord, we just pray that you would continue to advance the kingdom through that work. Finally, God, we just think globally and, and we think of Michaela and Trey serving out in Dearborn and Lord, how they've been planted there for such a time as this, God, but now they're starting to pray for relationships to be built in the people in their community, God, that they can begin to be the light of Jesus Christ to a world in need. God, we pray that you would open doors that only you can open, God, that they would begin to build relational bonds with others and that most importantly, God, they would be able to share the light of your gospel with the people there in Dearborn. Lord, for the things that might not have been mentioned this morning, Lord, the unique things, or maybe for those of us who couldn't take a seat today, God, but are dealing with things, we lay those things at your feet and we just invite you to continue, God, to minister to us today. We know that your spirit is always interceding, that Jesus Christ himself is sitting at the right hand of God the Father praying for us. And so we just lean on that truth today and we trust, God, that you are a God who cares for us deeply. We pray all of these things in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus and we say all around this place, amen, amen. Well, church, again, it's so good to worship with you today on Super Bowl Sunday and we have a great rest of the service planned. I wanna invite you, grab your seat and turn your eyes to the screen. Welcome back, everyone, and what a service it has been so far. EJ, this is a time in our service where we take up our offerings each week, and uh, for those who aren't a part of All Shores, help us understand where those funds go. Thanks, Dad. I'd love to. Those funds go to our general giving for local ministry, our benevolence needs in each of our local communities. 
or they go to our global outreach for our missionary partners and projects. You can give online or by dropping your gift at our offering boxes at each of our campuses. Man, I'm really looking forward to Pastor Pete's message today. Uh, but before he comes, we want to let you know that Pete's message today is brought to you by Thermal Ball Vests. Thermal Ball Vests. Have you always wanted to look like a West Michigan pastor? Well, now you can with Thermal Ball Vests. When the rest of you is freezing cold, your heart can stay warm with Thermal Ball Vests. EJ, what are the odds that Pete is going to change his voice during his message today? Well, Thad, Vegas has the over-under odds that he will change his tone at least two times during the message. And if I'm a betting man, I'm taking the over. Those are great odds, EJ. Yes, they are. Before Pete shares his message, we have a few announcements of some upcoming events at All Shores. So please keep your attention on the screens. My name is Laura Strait. I'm Tracy Cole. I was diagnosed with cancer three years ago, and it was stage four metastatic ovarian cancer. The news was not good, and there is no treatment for me. And it was very, very emotional, very sad. Um, it was really difficult. I was diagnosed um, February of 2020, right before COVID, um, with breast cancer. I had to do chemo, radiation, surgeries. Well, when I first started thinking about this group, I thought, you're crazy. You're not a leader. What, you know, what are you thinking? And the more I kept thinking about it, the more that gut, the God thing, you know, when, when your gut is God. And I, know, I knew it was the Holy Spirit saying, Laura, start this group. For me, I just... I wanted that connection, that connection with people that understood. There's so many women that I've met that I wouldn't have met had I not had cancer. I think as a whole, it's just changed my life. Um, and I hope it, it's changed theirs too. Shores family, I am really excited about an event that's coming up. In fact, it's one of my favorite events that we do as a church here at All Shores. On February 18th, we're going to have our Celebrate Marriage event. And I just personally want to invite you to come and to be a part of that. We're going to invite Danielle and John Freed as our speakers to come and just encourage us around healthy marriages. We've also got Megan Stark coming. Uh, she's been playing music for a number of years and just came out with her first album. And so she'll be there to provide entertainment. And then we'll also have a great meal. And again, I just want to encourage you to be a part of it. It's $30 per couple. You can find out more information about the event itself at allshores.org backslash events. But come on out and be a part of a great event to encourage your marriage. I want to welcome those joining us online. Of course, all of you here in Spring Lake, our campus here. Uh, I want to invite you. Uh, before we open the scriptures, before we engage on this soup, Herbal Sunday, before we engage in that, I want to invite you to pray in the quiet. That we believe it's about God revealing himself to you, not about information or persuasion, but about revelation. So ask God to speak, whatever your posture, from doubting and discontented to fully thriving to anywhere in between. Just be honest 
and then I'll pray for us together. God, I thank you on behalf of all of us that you want to reveal yourself. So I'm just simply asking that you do that today. For any among us with doubt that you'd give some comfort and hope for those of us who are just dismayed and struggling, you'd renew us and strengthen us. For where we're kind of crusty and living our own way and just living in our own kind of crassness or struggle, would you soften us? Whatever you want to do, God, have your way. That's what we're asking for. Anything I have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground. Let it be forgotten. But anything that's from you, Lord, let your spirit breathe life into us together. And I pray with the psalmist, the words I speak and the way we respond and our hearts and actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, I know it's probably hard for most of you to know as Lions fans, but it is Super Bowl Sunday. Some of us wore the jerseys we follow. I am a lifetime Lions fan. Never seen them win a championship. Yeah, I appreciate that. You should clap for me more out of sympathy than anything else. But I actually went back not too long ago and watched whatever their last championship was, somewhere in the 50s, on a very weird YouTube that was horribly hard to see, but made me feel like I watched them win. It was good. And I have to tell you, as a, growing up as a Lions fan, it's interesting to me how many people find another team to follow instead. Have you seen this? Oh, no, I'm a Packers fan. Why have you been a Packers fan? Well, my dad likes cheese, so I thought I'd go with the Packers. Voice number one, just so you know, since we're counting. <laughs> then I have people that are like, I'm a Bears fan. Why are you a Bears fan? It's Chicago, man. It's Chicago. You got to be a Bears fan. Come on. What does that have to do with anything? You just don't like the Lions. I've even met people who are Vikings fans that live here. I thought we'd pick an area that's colder than us. That's why I chose it. No, you all chose it because we're not good and you need a backup. But instead of a backup, you made it your main team. Can we agree? Now, I have no problems with a backup. I have a backup too. I've had a backup most of my life. Early on in my childhood, my backup, I still have their, this is a jersey actually from a little bit later, but it was the Dolphins. They were my backup. Of course, I did pick a team that won the Super Bowl, but in my defense, I picked it before they won it. So I got to watch... uh, Mercury Morris and Larry Zonka play and win because I never got to see Greg Landry or any other of my Lions people win. You been there? You been there, amen, right? It's a hard thing. In fact, the Lions, everybody chose another team in the league except for Tampa Bay. In case you don't know, Tampa Bay used to be in our division, and they went 0-14. All the worst record. They're all the worst record. We beat them on that too, didn't we? (laughs) 0-16. Gotta love it. It's how we roll. Well, it's Super Bowl Sunday, and I mean... It's a fascinating piece. We know this stadium will be full this Sunday. It will be full of people. It probably is already beginning. And we all know that none of us make enough money to go or we'd be there, right? I mean, we know that's a seriously high-priced ticket. But we also know it's not just these people. It's all over the world, like football or not. Maybe you don't even care for it. It is one of the largest events all year. And some people just watch it for the hanging out with other people or the ads, like the game gets in the way. But the reality is lots of people will engage today. We will see athletes at their best, doing their best. And in fact, all of us, most of us, will live a way where we just spectate. True? I mean, that's what we are, spectators. I always love the ownership we have. Man, my guys did it. They did it for me today. They don't even know who you are. Stop it. 
Even when we act like we're better. Oh, you know, I like a team that's better because I picked a team that's better. I must be better than you. Not true. It's just not true. But we align that way, don't we? So we get into this. We go. People this year ask me, who do you hope to win? And I'm like, the team I hope to win is not even there. Don't bother asking me today, okay? I really don't care. All I had for years was the fact that being a Michigan fan, I at least had Brady to root for, and that's kind of out on me too. So, you know, I got nothing left. But it's a big day, and it's a unique day. I I'm curious, if you think about this, though, do you remember any moments from the past? Because it's funny how we think it's at the center of life, but we forget. Now, now, maybe you forget. I find people normally forget bad news rather than good news, but as a Dolphins fan, I remember watching them go 14-0 and then 17-0 and winning, although in the Super Bowl, their kicker not only muffed the kick, he then tried to throw the ball with no athleticism, and I can still picture that painful interception for a touchdown. Like, it just hurts to watch. Or I think of friends that are, are Colts fans, and they were just so happy when Peyton finally got there. He threw two picks in the Super Bowl and lost that one. Granted, he won other ones later, but they were just beside themselves. And for me, I played when the Saints go marching in because the Saints won, and I really didn't care nor like them all that much. So I'm an evil person. We know that. It's all good. I mean, you could think back. So if you're a Seattle fan, you're probably really bummed because you were right at the goal line, and instead of running it, you threw a pass. It was picked off, and Brady got yet another ring, more than any team in themselves. What is up with that? So every year we have these events that happen and yet we often forget them. We often even miss who's significant. We make heroes out of these people, don't we? Do you know there's an MVP every Super Bowl? Do you know what positions typically get them? If you go at it, it goes all the way around. You have three on defense that, that can get it. Linebackers, there have been four of them. Defensive line, two, and defensive backs, three. You go to the offense, it's a wide receiver, nine of them. A running back, seven. And quarterbacks, 31 times. We sure love our quarterbacks. What is up with that? Let me take you all the way back to the first Super Bowl because Bart Starr was the quarterback that did win the MVP award. Now, there's an interesting story, though, beside and beyond Bart, one that some have made a case for something different. You see, there was a wide receiver who was at the end of his career had had very little involvement all year. In fact, he'd caught only four passes, and was assured with the starting wide receiver he wasn't going to see playtime because he hadn't. So he decided to make the most of the evening before. This wide, or this, yeah, this wide receiver, they had an 11 o'clock curfew. They did the check-in, and after that, he took off. And he came back to his room at 6.30 in the morning and crossed paths with Bart, who was heading out to get ready for the game. He had been up all night. Nobody caught him, so he had thought he basically was going to be $5,000 of a fine. That's a big fine back then. For athletes today, they get, it doesn't matter. Anyway, he gets to the game. He is there, and sure enough, the third play in, the starting wide receiver gets injured. Now, to let you know just how unprepared he was, Lombardi called him to go in, and he couldn't find his helmet. Literally could not find his helmet. He had to put on a lineman's helmet. Now, they remedied it later, so he first went in. But what followed in the midst of all of it was kind of a unique story. His name is Max McGee, and Max caught the very first touchdown of the game. He would go on to cover over 140 yards or so and catch a second touchdown, and many would tout him as the MVP, though Bart Starr got it, because he came in at a crucial time and made crucial plays that couldn't have happened without him in the bits, basically in the midst of a difficulty. Now, you may go, so what happened to good old Max? And I'm glad you asked. We would often think, and this is the trouble that we have often with these heroes in athletics, is they work and they work and they work and they do excel, 
But after that moment's over, what happens? They're forgotten. And in fact, Max, I think graciously, he played one more year because he had the elevation in this one game, went back to not playing much, retired, and really commented that he didn't think this would be the biggest part of his life. In fact, if you don't know, Max would go on to have great business success. He was one of the two that founded the restaurants of Chi-Chi's and all sorts of other things that became an empire, to be honest. And you might go, maybe that's the highlight of his life. And interestingly, towards the end, that's not what he would say. In fact, through his life, he would actually fail with one family because he got so caught up in his business and had great sadness. And a second time would begin to seek to rebuild. But towards the end of his life, he would basically begin to experience the illness of Alzheimer's. And in the midst of that, he was asked, what matters most to you? And he said, for all the things I've had, for all the glory I've done, for all that's gone on, kind of basically what I feel most heroic about, what I'm most excited is in those latter years, he had two kids that had major health problems, one with Down syndrome, another with pretty severe diabetes, and he gave himself to them. And when he became most significant in his own mind and his own legacy was building into their lives at the end. Do you wonder when we watch the highlight reels if we miss what true heroism is? If maybe there's something more, and I, in no way should you miss out on watching and enjoying. These athletes spend their lives to become great at what they do, and they work day in and day out again and again. But what we want to look at today is a beautiful thing that I think Scripture gives us is what does a hero look like in God's eyes? What does it look like to live in such a way that your life is highly esteemed and valued? And I want to take you to a letter. It's a letter that's written to the early church. We don't know the author of it, man or woman. There's much conjecture about who wrote it, but we don't know. The letter of Hebrews. And there are two chapters that work together One is really the chapter talking about a bunch of heroes and a little bit of what forms that, and the second is giving us a picture of how to live that way. And that's all we're going to do today is look a little bit into this, maybe consider is it something more than what we'll see today, and does God intend for us to be more than spectators? You do realize we live a lot of our life watching other people, and that's what we watch today. All of us will watch other people. We are spectators. But God has a different way in how he calls us and leads us and loves us. This is where it begins. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. The author is giving us a picture. I want to just give you a broader piece because it's not simply that he's saying faith. You will see this is actually kind of called the chapter on faith, but it's all heroes that lived in faith. In case you don't know, if you haven't been around church long, faith is a word that we use to describe what and how we live and who we live for. And it's really embodied in this. Faith is having a confidence in what we hope for. In other words, an assurance about what we don't see. Faith is the ability to stand strong and stand continually believing that what we don't see matters more than what we do see and that God himself is behind that. Now, tell me that's not conflicted in our world today. We're arguing about what we see and even arguing about what that means and fighting to death about trying to get what we want. And faith is being certain of what we hope for and assured of what we don't see. That's the foundation of this list 
of heroes that we're about to read from. And when he says the ancients, he's going to go back to Israel's history, or she is, the author of this. So I want you to see these are the MVPs of our faith. I'm not going to spend a long time on them, but I want you to get a sense of the breadth of what's written about. Because it's basically is a who's who list of people that live by faith or MVPs or heroes of our faith. This is what we look to as we look to people we want to live like and admire. And let me just say it again. We're not to be observers. We're to be participants. In other words, this is not to tell you those rare few. It's to tell you that all of us are made to live like this. Okay? Yes, that's okay. Voice number three. All right. So it starts after he's speaking or she's speaking about faith, and they give this first example. They say, by faith, the universe was formed. In other words, God spoke the universe into being and made something out of nothing. Something we can't see became meaningful and something we can see. He's saying even the creation around us, even all of the universe is believed and built on something we can't know or understand. And in case you, for all of your conjecture, scientifically and everything, at the end of the day, we don't know. And what the author here is speculating, and we, we believe, is God's actually at the beginning of that. Faith is even found in the very substance that taking something out of nothing and making it is who God is. That's the picture. And then he continues to tell other stories. And I'm not going to go in detail, but we've got stories of a man who was murdered by his brother because he lived by faith and his brother didn't. His brother was jealous, took him out. We have stories of a man who by faith actually was taken up to heaven. Story of a man who built an ark for a long time. Now, let's just pause there for a minute. I just want you to picture that you've got some land and you start building something and your neighbors start asking about it and you look like an idiot. Year after year after year after year. So do you think Noah had faith to keep building it? Noah believed what's not seen and so he kept going. Do you see the issue of faith? It's not an issue of I get to see, I get a taste of it. It's I keep going when what I don't see because I'm so certain and assured of what God's doing that we move. That's the foundation of this. Abraham and Sarah, both very old when God tells them they're going to have a kid. Nobody even probably wants to see that, let alone gets to see that. And they did, and it was powerful, and it's changed the world. But the one statement the author makes in the list is, none of these people truly got what was promised in their lifetime. For example, Abraham was promised that his descendants would be like the stars in the sky. He had one kid. So do you think he saw it in his lifetime? Never. Sarah, never. And that's a piece of this faith is it doesn't mean we get to see it. In fact, he goes on, and the list is story after story from the Bible. I'm not going to take time to go through it. I just want you to be aware the stories are powerful, everyone that's listed, and it's not meant to be exhaustive. In fact, as the author gets through and writes it, they then talk about those who suffer for their faith, that there are many who will be beaten and persecuted and tortured to the point of death taken out. And you know what he says about them? The world was not worthy of them. In other words, they believe so strongly in the promise of who God is that even when it led to their own death and demise, it didn't sway them. That's powerful, isn't it? Yeah, it just, it's crazy to me to think of this. And, and in case you know, too, these are not stories like here's a high point that happened, which is what we typically think of. These are stories that are often unseen. These are decades in the making. In fact, it's so fun just to look through the Bible and think of how many people have stories to tell that we wouldn't even know. There is a, a handmaid who the wife she works for, her husband is a leader, and he's dying, 
and he won't do anything about it. He won't repent. And the maid just badgers the wife to badger the husband to go to a prophet to get help. And it's through the faith of a handmaid that he is saved and has new life because she knew what was unseen God was going to do and fought for it even when no one else would. Come on. We got a guy named Mordecai who, in the midst of Israel being in bondage, to, so to speak, they're then asked to worship other gods, and he won't do it. And he knows that they want to take him out and take all of the, the Jewish people out or worship this God they shouldn't. And he goes to his niece, his relative, and basically she's now the wife of the king and says, you need to go get help and tell him. And she's going to have to do it at the point of death. But here's a guy who's going to be taken out, has everything to lose, and then asks her to do it. Both of them do things, whether they're going to live or die. Isn't that inspiring? And we could go story after story after story. There are two people in the New Testament that are just mentioned briefly, Cornelius and Dorcas, who's also known as Tabitha. And both of them, God notes, hey, the way you've been living and caring for those in need, and then for him, he says, your prayers as well, that you've been praying and praying and praying for years God's seen it, and he wants to have you involved. Now, his assignment is to go to the guy who's been basically a terrorist to, the, to these early Christians and go talk to him. <laughs> so it doesn't sound like, hey, hey, this doesn't sound like a reward. It sounds like a problem that I'm going to lose from. But it does turn out to be powerful. Dorcas, same way. She is a woman that has been helping those in deep pain around her and living and loving those around. She dies, and she's resurrected miraculously to continue to do what she's been doing behind the scenes. Do you get the picture? Like, I want you to think, this is the way God moves, but it's not a moment on a highlight film. It's a life unseen that is built, very simply, on actually hoping, actually believing the things that God tells us, whether we see them or not, that we have a certainty and a hope in them. Now, what I want to say is, these are not cases out of thing. It means in every time in history, in every part of the church, God is moving. In other words, he wants us to become heroes. Let me help you with it, kind of give you a picture of this, what it might look like. And I want to take you back to a similar kind of a stadium like we're talking about today. This is a stadium in, in Aphrodisia. It's in Turkey. It's one of the best preserved. That's why I wish I could use one from another city, but many of them are taken out. But this is where their races happened. They were their large events. And guess what? Everybody in the stadium was a spectator to the few athletes that ran. But what we hear over and over again from those that led us early, Paul and others, was we're to run the race. In other words, we're to be the one running in the arena. But he also, and now this author, is going to give us another picture of the stadium. They're going to give us a picture not of observers, not of fans, but in essence of participants. Here's what he says, or she says, in Hebrews 12. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. You see, it's a picture of people in the stands and they're not, they're not fans, they're what? They're witnesses. In other words, in case you don't know, a hero in the Bible is a witness. <laughs> and a witness is not somebody who tells about it, someone that lives the truth of in other words, it's a person that witnesses by how they live. They go before us, and the cloud of witnesses in the stadium around us are the ones cheering us on because they've already lived this way before us. 
I thought of this personally this last week because uh, yesterday was the um, anniversary of my mom's passing. Six years ago, my sister shot me a text and we were chatting about it, but that's beside the point. But I look at my mom and I go, my mom really lived faith. She's a cloud. She's part of that cloud. She is in the stands before me cheering on the race I have. And we have people among us and that have gone before us cheering on the race we are in, but we are made to run, not made to watch. I'm going to say it again. We are made to run, not made to watch. I'll try it in another voice. Hey, we're made to run, not to watch. Thank you. Don't worry, that's like five voices. I'm way off track now, but I, I want you to picture that Faith is not meant to be something we watch others. It's meant to be something we live. And I'm telling you, we have heroes here that are alive, that are still living and living it out. The cloud isn't just gone before us, it's living with us. And we're meant to be a help to one another. In other words, there's this hope, but there's also this help. We are meant to cheer on and help one another in the race and the journey we have. And then he continues and gives focus to it. We fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. By the way, Jesus, the very son of God, God in the flesh, had to die in order to rise, in order to get and bring about the future that is unseen. So he goes before us in essence, believing it will happen. It puts his money where his mouth is. I want to be clear on this. Jesus comes to die on behalf of all of us and to rise, to not just forgive us, but to give new life and to be his faithful people giving testimony, his heroes. And all this says is, guess what? We look at him. That's who we look at. So, man, we've got hope, we've got help, and we've got him. That's what we have in this. And then it's just kind of brought to a beautiful conclusion. You consider him. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In other words, looking at him and looking at his very struggle is what gives us life and hope and helps us as we look at him to actually believe that what is unseen is real and is true. In other words, we live for something greater than this. And I'm telling you, that kind of witnessing and that kind of witness is making a hero. Here's it in a very simple way. We stand on what we can't see, that's hope. Just so you know, too, others build us up along the way, that's help. And honestly and very simply, we fix our eyes on Jesus and that's him. Now, I could just stop there, but I want to give you a picture of it. And, and I want to tell you just a, a briefly a, a little story leading into it because it's from a family in our church. Um, it was a couple of years ago that Ken Ernie was diagnosed with ALS and uh, has been on a very hard, long journey of a slow goodbye and a slow pain. And thus his wife with him and their family all around them are in a journey that's very hard to understand or see what it's like for them. And it was a few months ago I was with them and I, I just hearing them both talk immediately, and I'm, you can take it for what's worth, I sense God saying, you're looking at heroes right now. You're looking at two people who are so living out their faith in what is unseen in the midst of what's seen is so hopeless and helpless, 
they found something and are witnessing to it. Watch and pay attention. I want you, and I want to tell you a little more about them, but I want to expand it out so you know this is part of the heroes in our church, people of faith that live out their faith. When Ken first had the diagnosis and he and Lori began to pray and ache, they didn't know what they were going to do even about housing because that would change. And there's all sorts of things I won't get into about the miracle of how that came about, but then it had to be built. So Doug Dewey, their, part of their family, began to oversee it. Paul Vanderwall began to take a major role in that alongside of him. J.P. Deles and many others came around and they helped build a house for them. Those people are living their testimony. You get it? Let me tell you, there's others in our church that have walked with them because as Ken gets worse, there's more help needed. There's help needed getting him up and getting him down. In the early days, many were doing it. Jan Palmer, who's someone, I think she serves everywhere at all times. I'm kind of convinced she might be cloned <laughs> and, uh, and not sure how she does what she does, but she would help with some of the lifting. And then in her uh, in her weakness, I guess, she knew she could no longer do it, so she found other things to do, like Christmas Day, she brought them dinner, cooked a big dinner for them. That's living from what you don't see to love those and help them in ways they need. It's powerful. We have people like Chip, Chip Hackney, who walks and walked alongside of them through all of this, who comes over regularly to help out with moving Ken from place to place to encourage Ken and Lori. John Booth, who... Uh, uniquely had a, a season when his, he thought his career should be coming to an end and had a prompting from God, you need to be done. And two things happened. He began to care for his elderly parents who were both going through difficult things, and then Ken became part of that. And I wish I could have Ken and Lori share stories because each of these people that intersects their life builds them up when they're worn out and gives hope when they're in despair. I think of Jen Kilbury, a, a nurse in our church that... Um, I was very taken when they, they were talking about the role she'd had for them, and what occurred to me as I listened was she takes a situation and walks into it that someone feels raw, undignified, and humiliated and brought dignity and honor to them. That's faith. Isn't that powerful? And I could go story after story of others. Sandy Mitchell, their neighbor who's been there day in and day out, Ben Worth, a close friend of theirs. You know, we have others from the church like J.P. Delash, just people coming around and in no means do I even want to, I would elevate their own children. Because I'm telling you, John, who's the one farthest away, is engaged as best he can be from a distance, but engaged every moment in every way. Their daughter, Mindy, comes over one time every week and spends the entire day there to both help and give some support where they know their mom is carrying the load in a way no one can alone. Or just another of their daughter's who would come over once a week, and now with a little one, there's been some uh, change of that. Steve and Jackie, their son and daughter-in-law, who are both now taking a half day of work a week off just to go and be with them, finding new ways to get out of work so they can be present. And there, I can't even tell you all the things. But let me take you further into Lori and Ken's life, because um, as I sat with them, you kind of get a picture of faith that you're both uh, amazed in the sacredness of it and also aching. Because let's be honest, that kind of slow goodbye is just brutal and painful. It's not like the clouds just lift. You're in it all the time. So you have Lori, who everyone's very aware of Ken's struggle, but might miss out on she's the one walking with him in it. 
Lori, who has her own health issues and goes beyond what she can to care for him in ways she can to care for him and just can't let go because she wants to do all that she can in every way she can to love him. Tell me that's not faith. Isn't that powerful? Um, and then you got Ken. You know, I, I've been so taken by Ken because I'm amazed in the midst of him having to surrender every minute of every day, everything from more weakness to even how he breathes and coughs and gets up and gets down to the fact that he has to keep letting go. Imagine all he wants to do is provide, protect, and help others and not be a hindrance. And he has to surrender and go, you're going to have to take care of me. I don't even want you to, but you got to. I don't think he'd even say it, but he has to live it. He has to trust in what he can't see because what he sees, it's a mess with no good ending, but what he doesn't see, he knows. He knows and has a hope there's something beyond this. And there's life even in the midst of death. And there's life even in the midst of suffering. And there's life even when the diagnosis says it won't get better. It'll only get worse. I want to kind of speak on behalf of Ken uh, to give you space even before we pray. Ken had a song. He said, I want to be remembered for this. This is what I want. Even when he kind of considers when his time will come. And I want you to hear it as Ken's words to us. Um, that really do just build us around being with Jesus. So here's what I'm going to ask is maybe if you want to close your eyes, that's fine. If you don't, I'm not pushing that, but I want you to at least kind of let your mind's eye go, God, speak to me as I listen. And maybe all you're doing is looking for Jesus right now. Maybe you're looking for hope. Maybe you're looking for help. But more than anything, I want you to look for him. Whether you follow him or don't, maybe you'll hear the very revelation of him saying, I am for you and with you, and I love you. Trust me where you can't see. Maybe for some of us, it'll be renewing something in life. And maybe for others, it'll be deepening that. But will you just listen uh, as really I seek to honor Ken and let him kind of speak to us through what he would say matters most to him.
pray for my brothers, my sisters, my friends. God, I pray very simply that we would discover you in new ways, that we would become more aware of the cloud of witnesses that have gone before us, that we would start living for what we don't see and not what we do see. God, I pray you'd reveal Jesus in powerful ways that we just haven't experienced before. And I'm asking that you will help us to put off the things that hinder us from that. God, I know there's nothing I can do to change that in any of our lives, but I know that's what you want for us. So I'm asking you to move, to reveal, to give hope and life right now, right here, and to let us live for something better than the things we think will make us known and valued. I pray this in your name. Amen. We want to give space, which is always what we do when we finish the teaching of the text. We worship and we celebrate communion, and it's a space to let us kind of continue to ask God to move. And let me simply give you this thought as we worship together, because it's God who breathes life into us. It's God who gives us breath to live life differently, and we express it in our words and our actions. And it's his very presence in us that causes us to respond. Let's sing together as we stand and sing of that together in faith.
you to be seated. Hopefully when you came in, uh, you were able to get the little communion cups we have. We celebrate the sacred activity. There's not a stipulation that you have to be a member here. We just want you to be moving and following Jesus or moving towards him. And maybe for some of you, this could be the first day you go, I actually want to fix my eyes and my life on him. I want to receive the very life he gave to not only be forgiven, but to walk in a new kind of faith. Believing what is unseen brings life to me even now and forever. The bread's in the top portion of the cup and the bottom has the very drink. The night Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. The night he was betrayed in the midst of struggle and suffering is when he tells us his body is given for us. In the midst of our own struggles, even what we read in the text today that Jesus was one who endured and was taken down and still made it through. We take of him knowing he's gone before us through the worst. Let's take. In the same way he took the cup, he said, it's a new covenant in my blood. You do this in remembrance of me. And he also goes on to say, basically it's through his blood that we're forgiven. Without bloodshed, there is no forgiveness. His sacrifice is the very foundation of our hope. Let's take it down. And Lord, I ask that this would be meaningful and filled with your grace to us. As we sing now, help us to sing with faith and sing with hope. I ask this in your name. Amen. Let me have you stand. And even as we're singing about the entire creation shouting with praise, maybe you don't feel that today. Say, God, help me. Maybe you're singing it for others to be the cloud that others are struggling today, but we sing it believing what is unseen, not because life goes well for us. Amen? Let's proclaim this together.
together church just a wonderful beautiful morning in God's presence and we're so glad that you're here I want to invite you if you're in the room just take one more seat and uh, we have one more video that we want to show you this morning thank you for joining us today for soup herbal Sunday we hope that you had the opportunity to connect with others and to connect with God today but before you leave we have a few more things we are on by you EJ well, following the service at each of our campuses, we're going to be enjoying some chili. In Muskegon and in Coopersville, we'll be set up in the gym and at Spring Lake in our lobby. So stick around, have something to eat, and enjoy some time connecting with others. We also want to remind those of you who are guests today that we have a gift for you at each of our connection points at all of our campuses. Make sure to stop by and get that before you leave. And right now, we have a world premiere of our new series coming up on February 26th. Here's a premiere of Off the Grid. It is as bad as the experts feared. Hurricane Ian has made landfall in Florida. There are a few corners the of the massive state of California not and the We have some breaking news are. out of the Virginia where police say a six-year-old is in U.S. officials say that up to 100 Ukrainian Tonight, a battle to control the state of Sinaloa, Mexico. As Hurricane Ian from the deadly mass shooting in Chesapeake, Virginia. Six
I'm sure some of you are just stressed hearing all that noise, like, oh, man, what did I miss? Which email wasn't there? Who texted me? We really think this series will be significant. It, it's during the season of Lent, but looking at going off the grid, what that looks like and means. So I want to both encourage you and even have you invite others. Let me just give you a couple other directions. I'll give you a blessing. Uh, if you want to sign up for the marriage night this Saturday, there's sign-ups in the lobby. Um, there is chili in the lobby. Whether you wanted chili or not right now, we thought it would be a good appetizer before you gorge on a lot of other things today. So you're welcome. And we want to have some fun together just hanging out. Let me have you stand, uh, and I want to give you a blessing. So if you just place your hands out, that's kind of our posture we want to receive. Now may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ fill you in an ongoing way with the Holy Spirit. May you continue to discover more and more who Jesus is and put him before you. May you find hope where you have despair, and may you both be helped and help others become witnesses and live as heroes for his glory and our joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.